seated. Well, we're continuing uh, the series here today, Who Am I? Our Identity in Christ. And if you want to open up and follow along, we are in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. So starting with verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the workings of his power." To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. Um, One of my favorite genres of TV shows and movies are mysteries. Um, I I love mysteries because uh, there's something about it that you're walking with the characters through the storyline And you think you know how it's going to end, but of course, as you're going through, you're gathering evidence with the characters, you're listening to the main characters. Uh, Sometimes you are uh, looking out for the bad guy to see where he's going, and you think you know who did it, and then at the end of it, it, you're totally caught off guard. One of my uh, favorite mystery shows to watch, it's on reruns now, is Columbo. Is anybody here a fan of Columbo? Good, good. I'm among good people. Uh, one of the things I love about Columbo is, is he acts like a bumbling idiot. Um, he walks in the room, and he is the last guy that you would want to take up your case because he always acts like he doesn't know what's going on. And yet, of course, you as the viewer know, if you've watched the show before, that he knows exactly what's going on. And in fact, the show starts out, usually you know who the bad guy is, and so the mystery in the show is to see how is Columbo going to solve the mystery? How is he going to solve this? One of my favorite episodes, and I apologize, the show has been off the air for 40 years, so you should have caught up by now, but there is one episode where they're trying to figure out who stole some paintings, and and how Columbo got him in the end was that he touched the painting so that his fingerprints were on it, and at the end of the episode, the guy accused him of touching the paintings uh, right there in that moment, and as he's accusing Columbo, Columbo pulls his hands out of his pockets, and he's wearing white gloves. 
And it's just one of those, those endings to the episode that you don't see coming and you just, oh, that's awesome, Columbo's a genius. Well, this idea of mystery that, that we know what's going on, but we're not quite sure if we know what's going on, is what Paul is talking about here in this passage. He, he makes reference to this mystery of God, this mystery of Christ, this mystery that's been revealed to him, and how he's talking about it in this passage is very much in the sense that God has had a plan for history, but we just weren't able to figure it out. We were not able to anticipate exactly what God's plans were. And so when Paul talks about this mystery, uh, one of the things he says, if you look at verse 4, is that specifically this mystery is that the Gentiles were wanted by God the whole time. Now, Pastor Mark preached about this last week in chapter 2, that God's plan was that all of humanity have access to him through Jesus Christ. But up until that point, the Jewish people didn't know that that's what God's plan was the entire time. And so Paul is telling his people, listen, the Gentiles are a part of the church now. The Gentiles are with you. They have full access to God. Not only that, this is what God had planned. From the beginning of time, when when Adam fell and all of mankind needed to be redeemed, and then later on God called Abraham and, and called his people into a covenant with him, the whole plan from that very moment was that everybody outside of Abraham's family would be part of the family of God. And so what Paul is saying is that this mystery has been revealed to us. We didn't know that that was the plan, but now we know that everybody is invited into God's family. And how Paul knows about this, if you go back up to verse 3, is he says that this was made as a revelation to him. So what does that mean? Well, if you go back in in Acts, if you remember, uh, Paul was one of the top Jewish men in in Jerusalem. He was was, uh, one of the smartest guys, he was one of the key leaders, and he was out to persecute the church. What was after he was converted by Jesus, that he becomes an apostle, that he all of a sudden realizes that not only is God saving the Jewish community, but he's saving the Gentile community as well. If you go back in Acts chapter 15, it's Paul and Barnabas that when they go to the council of Jerusalem, they then tell the council, we would like to be the missionaries to go and reach the Gentile people. We would like to be sent out so that people who have never heard of Yahweh would begin to hear of Yahweh in his covenant and they would begin to hear of Jesus Christ and their access to God through him. And so this revelation was given to Paul so that he could go out and preach the gospel. Well, where was this the whole time? Well, down in verse 9, one of the things that Paul says is that this was hidden in God the whole time. Now, we already said this, that this was God's plan for humanity, but Paul is really driving in that, that God was, was hiding this until the right time that he would be able to reveal to his people what was happening. It's very interesting. Uh, we're going to be going into the Christmas season here in just about a month, which I, I know, it's November already, but 
Uh, but we're going to be moving into the Christmas season here soon. And if you notice, as we prepare for Christmas, we read the Old Testament, don't we? We go back to books like Isaiah. We go back to actually uh, as far back as Genesis. We get the first prophecy of Jesus being sent into this world. And so as we prepare to celebrate Jesus coming into this world to save all people, we actually go as far back as the book of Genesis in the Old Testament to understand that. And something that Paul says is that when this was revealed to him and the other apostles and the prophets and the Christian community, It was withheld from previous generations so that God could reveal it in the right time. It's sort of like when you have a surprise for somebody. Has anyone ever been to a surprise birthday party? It is the most miserable thing when the person knows that the party is going to happen for them. That, that, That is never fun to shout out surprise and they knew you were there. It's even worse if you're the one that's supposed to be surprised and you just know, yeah, everybody's going to be there. I know about it. So God is withholding this for certain generations so that he could reveal it to us in the right time. And of course, that timing was Jesus Christ coming into the world. The timing was God revealing it to his apostles and his prophets so that we could know what the plan was. So sort of like a mystery TV show or movie. We're following along through Scripture, and then we get to a point where we say, oh, that's what that passage meant back in Isaiah 54. I I know it had meaning then, but now that I read about the life of Jesus Christ, now I can go back to it and say, that's right. God did tell us about Jesus' coming. So how do we preach this mystery? Because Paul talks about having to preach this mystery to all the people in the world. Well, this has to do with God's grace. So what is grace? Very simply put, grace is when you get something that you do not deserve. All right, Grace is when you receive something that you do not deserve. Uh, think back to, and, and I don't know what kind of schools you guys went to or not, but every so often we would go into school and we would find out that we didn't have class that day, but we had a school assembly. And so instead of going into class to do our work, which we had to do while we were there, we actually got to go into the assembly, and it was usually some kind of homecoming event. We would celebrate a sports team, uh, and then sometimes we would just have fun for the day. Did we deserve that as as students? Well, I, I thought I did, but looking back, I didn't. That is grace. That is the school administrators looking at the students saying, you know what, they need a day off. They, they don't deserve a day off, but they need it, so we're going to give it to them and we're going to have fun. This is God's grace at work. When Paul says that God gives us something, we don't deserve it, but we need it, so he gives it to us. Now, how is it used in this passage? Well, if we will look at verse 2, Paul talks about being made a steward of God's grace. He says to the people that you, you should have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. And very simply put, that stewardship of God's grace is being able to invite people into the Christian community. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, 
But none of us deserve to be here worshiping God. None of us have done anything that would let us into the presence of God, except that we've had faith in Jesus Christ. Instead, this is God's grace that we were invited into this community, that we have the opportunity to come here and worship God together, and when we leave, God goes with us. This is an invitation. It's not a social club. This isn't a job where you have to fill out a resume and go to an interview and see if God is willing to pick you up as the next hire. No, this is, this, is, this is God's grace, something that we haven't earned, something that we don't deserve, and yet God gives it to us anyway. And so Paul says the Christian community that we have doesn't have any kind of discrimination. There's no looking at who wants to come into the Christian community and saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Wow, that's a really good resume. We could use you in our church. Instead, we look at everybody that needs the gospel and we invite them into this community. That is God's grace, and that is us being stewards of God's grace. There's also God's grace when it comes to a position of ministry. So that is in verse 7 where Paul says that God's grace allowed him to be a minister of the gospel. So again, it's not a job that you have to earn to preach the gospel. It's not something that you work up to. In fact, in, in South America, they have found, especially among the Protestant churches, that, that their rule for, for evangelism, for, for sharing the word of God, is if you had enough to receive the word of God and become a Christian, then you have enough to preach the word of God for others to become a Christian. So if you're only a day-old Christian, you just heard about Jesus Christ and you decided to follow him, you now have enough to go out and tell somebody what you know about Jesus Christ and invite them into that same community. And what this has done in South America is, is uh, the Protestant church has just grew tremendously because people are not expected to reach a certain point before they could tell anybody about Jesus. Wherever you're at in your relationship with Jesus is enough to share with other people so that they can be in a relationship with Jesus. And you might think it's not enough, but if, but if you're in that relationship, it's obviously enough, isn't it? So this, this ministry that we're called into is a ministry of what we call evangelism. It's a ministry of sharing the love of God, the grace of God, in Jesus Christ. And we share it with anybody. And then also about God's grace in verse 8, it is a work, but it's not a work that you do. All right? It is a work that is supposed to be done, but because it's grace, it doesn't come from your strength. Let me explain it this way. Uh, I have a, a son who is four. He's going to be turning five soon. He is convinced he can pour his own milk into a cereal. He cannot. But he really wants to. But I don't want to clean up a mess. And so I do 100% of the work. I pull out the milk. I take the cap off. I hold it, and his hands are resting on it. And so he is pouring his own milk, but if I wasn't there, milk would be everywhere. This is the kind of ministry that we do in the world when we preach Jesus Christ. 
We think we're doing the work, but we're not. God has already completed the work, and now we just get to share in it. God is doing 100% of the evangelism that you are involved in. You're just invited to tag along. And so Paul uh, makes mention of this in saying that we are invited into this good work, that he was invited into this good work of evangelism, which means when God calls you to do something for him, he's actually already done it. He's just invited you to come along beside him, watch him do it, participate with him, and he gives you all the strength the entire time. So what kind of ministries did Paul have? Well, he mentions a few of them. I'm going to pick three here. One of them is in verse 7. He calls himself a minister of the gospel. Now, if you look back on the life of Paul, as I already mentioned, uh, Paul was, was one of the top Jewish leaders, and when he was converted, uh, he, he was called to be an apostle. That meant that he was called to go out and invite others into the Christian community and plant churches in areas that didn't yet know Jesus. And so that's what he did. He went out and he planted churches all throughout the region, and he preached the gospel. And Paul makes mention that this was all done out of God's grace, This was all done because God called him to do it. So Paul is a minister of the gospel in being an apostle, but there's plenty of areas that we are called to to be a minister of the gospel, and the number one area is evangelism, sharing the gospel with other people. Now, I don't know where specifically you feel called to do that, but it could be a myriad of places. It could be at your place of work. It could be at at your favorite restaurant. It could be at the store. Uh, in fact, what, what, what I do, and I told our, our student ministries this, it's easy for me, I'll say, because I'm a pastor. And so I'm able to squeeze into just about any conversation what my job is because that's usually the number one question. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. And then we begin to talk about church. But another area that I do it in is I just always reference our church. Uh, Some of my closest friends are in this church, and so when I'm at the store, when I'm at the coffee house, and I get into talking with somebody, I will pick up for what people are talking about, and I'll reference people in my church. And I'll just say, oh yeah, we have somebody in our church that used to do that for a living. Or, oh yeah, you know, I was just talking to somebody in my church. And you would be amazed how quickly people will turn their head, oh, what church do you go to? Oh, you know, I used to go to church, but... Or, you know, I've never been to church. And those are opportunities to invite people to at least see what a Christian community looks like. You would be amazed the number of ministry opportunities we have in this community if we were to just keep our ears and eyes open to any opportunity to share Jesus with whoever we run into. Something else Paul refers to himself as, and this isn't so much a ministry but it's where he sees himself in the ministry. He calls himself the least of all the saints. That's in verse 8. And I find this really interesting because, you know, if I were to rank all of the people of the Bible, I would put Paul up there. I mean, you know, Jesus would be at the top with God and the Holy Spirit, okay? But then right there would be Paul. 
you know, the, the amount of letters that he wrote, the amount of missionary journeys that he went on, the amount of persecution that he suffered as a Christian for spreading the gospel, I would think if there's anybody that should see themselves as the highest of the saints, it would be him, right? But he's mentioning that he is the least of all of the saints. And do you know where else he mentions the word saint? He mentions it in chapter 1 of this very same letter, and he's referring to the church that he's preaching to. So he opens up the letter and says, Greetings to all the saints. So he's telling the church, You guys are all saints. You are all filled with the Holy Spirit. You are all following Jesus. I too am a saint, but I'm the least. And so notice where he sees himself. He sees himself as a servant. He sees himself because of his position as apostle, because he is a minister of the gospel. He sees himself as a servant to others. He sees himself as being there to help others spread the word of God, to serve them wherever they are needed. And then finally, I I think this is probably the, the biggest takeaway that we have from this passage in what the mystery of God and the grace of God means for our life. It's actually found uh, in the opening and closing verses, verse 1 and verse 13. He is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul's not writing this letter at his desk. He's not writing this letter in a coffee shop. He's not headed into the office to get this printed out. He is in prison. He is in Roman custody. He is awaiting a trial. He is is facing a punishment. He is in chains. And yet he says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so he points out in a very real way, and, and actually I just found this out, nowhere in Scripture does he ever say he's a prisoner of the Roman authority, the Greek authority, or the Jewish authority. He always says he is a prisoner of Jesus. He is a prisoner of God. And so what Paul is doing is he sees that the negative consequences of sharing the gospel are actually positive consequences of sharing the gospel. He is a prisoner. Does anyone here ever want to go to prison? No. The answer, I'm not even going to make you raise your hands. I know that the answer is no. And yet here he is in prison for the gospel and he says, this is for God's glory. In fact, what he says to the people is, is he says that, that don't, don't lose heart at my tribulation. Don't lose heart because I'm writing from prison. Instead, see that it's for your glory. Or another, another way of putting it, I'm doing this for you so that you can be witnesses of God in the world. I am doing this for you so that God can be glorified in everything that we do. So where do we go from here? Well, first of all, we have a mystery that we preach, and thankfully we understand it. And that mystery is that we have been invited into God's community through God's work through God's grace. So this is now the mystery that we preach to the world. The the people that you will find in the world that don't know what's going on in their lives. They have an identity crisis. They don't know where they're going. They don't know if God is real. We've solved the mystery. Or I should say the mystery has been solved for us. We just got to tag along. 
We know that it's Jesus Christ who loves them and invites them into a relationship with God. And there are myriads of people in this world that don't know that. They, they, they question whether God exists or not. They question where their life is going, what they're supposed to be doing. We have the answer. They are a child of God. They're invited into a relationship with the creator of the universe. We have an obligation now. We have a duty to go out and share this with as many people as we know. But when we do this, this is point number two, God gives us the grace to do that work. We need to remember that. We need to remember, especially when we get into those moments where we're nervous or afraid to share God's love. It's not just an issue of obedience. It's an issue of the fact that God has already done it. So it's, it's not, you know, that we don't want to do the hard work and so we want to be disobedient into sharing the love of God. God's already done it. We need to have a change of perspective. God has already opened the door for this person to hear about him. You just need to be the one to speak. And as you speak, God will give you the grace to speak how you're supposed to speak to that person. And then finally, whatever consequences we face, we know it's going to be worth it. We know it's going to be worth it. Now, thankfully, we live in a country that has the freedom where we're able to share this. But you know what? Even if we didn't have that freedom, even if it were ever taken away and we face negative consequences for sharing the gospel, we know it would be worth it because for centuries, Christians have been persecuted for the faith. For centuries, Christians have been willing to go to jail. They've been willing to die for sharing the faith because it is life. So wherever we go, whatever we do, we need to know that we know what the mystery is. We know what the, the, uh, the answer to life's problems are. We know that Jesus Christ wants to invite everybody into a relationship with him. We do this by God's grace. It is his work that does this in our life. And then finally, whatever the consequences are, they are for God's glory and it's worth it. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us this mystery. Thank you for sharing this with us. Uh, we thank you for, for uh, inviting us into this community to worship you, to hear about this faith. God, as, as we leave this place, we pray that, that you would lead us to somebody that needs to hear about you. Lord, we pray that you would give us one person on our heart that we can pray for, that we can witness to, that we can be uh, uh, someone that reveals that truth to. And Lord, as we leave, we pray that you would remind us it is your work, it is your grace that makes this known. We pray all this in your name. Amen.